So, Psalm 23. I may be wrong, but having talked to some of you, and I had got a good education this morning, at least some education, <laughs> of <laughs> there's a whole lot more, I'm sure, about farming. Harvest season is coming to a close. And uh, we can give thanks for uh, the ways God has provided and uh, that it's been go, 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 go for a, a good bit and there's a little bit of respite. I now know that farming doesn't stop as soon as the cold hits. <laughs> um, there's plenty to do, fertilizing the soil, finalizing the sales of the crop, getting stuff moved over, and getting ready for the next season. But there is a little bit of respite. And as I've thought about that break, and as I've thought about this psalm this past week, there's been a couple questions that have been nagging at me. And maybe they've nagged at you too. How do we rest? How do we put the brakes on things? And is there a right or wrong answer to that question? And is there a right or wrong answer to that question as believers in Jesus Christ? And it's been especially timely. What has nagged at me even more? Is rest even possible? The work is never over. And it seems our lives, it seems the lives of our kids, the lives of everybody we know, trying to get together with people, our lives are so busy. There's plenty to do. Like Linda talked about all the things, that, all the things an elementary school kid could do with their time. And the people who are retired, they have some of the busiest schedules I know of. And not only that, our souls don't get much rest. I mean, I was looking, I was reading, reading the news, news, which is always a, you know, a great thing to do. Um, about, and I was reading two, two things this week, just two. Um, an article I was reading yesterday about a family up in South Dakota, um, whose father, a farmer, took his life because of mounting farm debt, flooding, and unstable crop prices. And then, this past week, we saw the 11th high school shooting of this year. The 11th! Where's the rest? Is rest even possible? And that's just the stuff out there. That's not talking about the stuff in here. We know our own lives worry for the our health or for the success of our children or for our own or their concerns or for broken relationships, financial issues, schoolwork, or living as a Christian in this society. Or when was the last time you had a full night's rest unbroken? You laugh because it, because it doesn't exist. Where's the rest? We're almost to the finish of an eight-week series through the book of Psalms called Worship Is. And what we've found and what we're hopefully seeing is that we are worshipers by nature. We're designed for worship in every area of our lives with everything about us, whether that's in celebrating the harvest season or if that's facing the troubles that seem to overwhelm us. 
And what the book of Psalms tells us is that we, as worshipers, are made for worshiping God, no one and nothing else. And we're hopefully this morning going to discover that when we worship God, the Lord Jesus Christ, are celebrating and are facing the multitude of difficulties in our lives, can and should lead to a part of what worship is. Rest. So are you ready to rest? Are you ready to try to find it? Would you stand with me as we read God's word this morning? Psalm 23. This might be the most familiar psalm in the world from the Bible, but may God grant us the humility to not check out and let us read it and hear it afresh to worship. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You have a seat. Worship is rest. Now, there are a few things about rest, rest as God designed it, that we must know and we must hold dear from this psalm. And the first and most importantly is what Linda alluded to with the five fingers. Rest requires a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. There is no rest without the Lord is my shepherd. None. It will not be found. You can try to find rest as much as you want. But if the Lord is not your shepherd, it will not be found. And why? Well, God in his word uses a metaphor of sheep to relate to people. And the reason he does so is not necessarily to insult our intelligence by comparing us to animals, but to point out a couple true things about ourselves that, frankly, we don't like to admit. Number one, sheep easily go astray. I was reading a little bit in the book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 by Philip Keller this week. And he, as a former shepherd, noted that One of his flock, one of the most beautiful and potentially prize-winning sheep that he had, had the ingrained habit of finding the hole that led outside the pasture and would always go for it. And he said that this one sheep caused him more trouble than the entirety of his flock. And sheep not not only easily go astray, they tend to lead others astray. Because he then noted that that single sheep began to gather fellow sheep to go through that hole and get out. And he ended up having to butcher the sheep to keep the chaos from further ensuing. Sheep easily go astray. Number two, sheep are vulnerable. Who likes to be told that? That you're vulnerable. They scare easily. 
A lot worries us. Man, a lot worries us. They can easily separate themselves from the safety of the flock. They cannot defend themselves. They're at the bottom of the food chain. Their their prey is grass. And their food for so many animals. And us. And the Bible says of people, all people like you and me, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And then elsewhere says that this is this turning away, this is going astray, this is this is sin. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if this is our state as straying, vulnerable sheep, and it's because of sin, can you start to see why we would need a shepherd? Why a shepherd is a number one requirement of our lives? But look at what this psalm says. The Lord is my shepherd. David is claiming an objective reality that is true of him. There, and that means that there is a shepherd. We don't have to wander aimlessly in life. Praise God that there is a shepherd. But that raises the question for you and me today. Who's our shepherd? Who's your shepherd? Is the Lord your shepherd? Not all shepherds are equal. We are all made in God's image, yes, but not all of us are his sheep. Not all of us are his children. Shepherds are not shepherds of general sheep out there. They have specific flocks. They have specific sheep. And for us, let's be honest, it will not do to have just any old shepherd. The Lord must be our shepherd if we are to find rest, if we are to worship rightly. It's required. So that leads to another question. Why is it best that the Lord is our shepherd? I can go up here and say, the Lord ought to be your shepherd. But why why him? And we'll just look at this psalm, but you would be well using your life, the entirety of your life, to study this book, to read this word, and find out who the Lord is and what he's like. Even if you have already believed him and trusted him, you are meant to know him more deeply and grow in him more truly and fully. So in Psalm 23, why is it best that the Lord be our shepherd? Well, we learn from this psalm about who the Lord is by what he does for his sheep. He, he makes me lie down in green pastures. The Lord does not lead his people where they are not nourished. He leads them to lush abundance. That's why he tells us to meditate and delight in his word. He's feeding us that which is good, actually nourishing our souls. He doesn't just give us spiritual platitudes. He gives us real good spiritual food to eat. He leads me beside still waters, into verse 2. Literally, they're waters of rest. 
for an animal or someone who's been out in the heat of the day, working hard, traveling, you know what hits a spot right at the end of that? A nice, refreshing drink. You mentioned lemonade this morning. Mm. The Lord, if he is our shepherd, he does this for us. Oftentimes physically, but always spiritually. He leads us beside still waters. It's peaceful and refreshing to be with the Lord. Verse 3, he restores my soul. Did you know that your soul needs reviving? It needs refreshing. It needs restoration. In fact, it's so bad that the Bible says you were dead in trespasses and sins. And it is through faith in this good shepherd that we are given life. We are restored. And as we live in that life, he grows us and nourishes us, restoring our souls so that we would look more and more like the the Lord Jesus, our shepherd, who has saved us every day. Again, verse 3, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Again, our shepherd, if we trust Jesus, does not lead us into temptation and evil. He leads us into what is good, what is righteous. And did you notice that this is a path? He leads me in paths of righteousness. That means someone has gone there before. Hebrews 12 talks about a great cloud of witnesses that have been led in this path of righteousness. And they've been led, and we can be led, by the one who is righteous, who is our shepherd, the Lord. He stakes the... He's, and he is so committed to doing so, so successful that, that he stakes his name and his reputation and his fame in the way he leads his sheep. His name is on the line when he leads us, makes us lie down in green pastures, leads us beside still waters, restores our souls, leads us in paths of righteousness for our name, his namesake. You can be sure he does his job very, very well. And that's how David can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God is his good providing shepherd. So when he says, I shall not want, does that mean that David got the green Ferrari or the cool shoes, or the great job or all the stuff that he wanted off of his Amazon account? Like when Jesus is our shepherd, we can just name it. And then we can claim it. Nope. No. You know, after what we just read, do you know what an unloving shepherd he would be to give us a whole bunch of stuff that might get in the way of our loving and knowing him? And stuff that might lead us astray if left to our own devices and would get us in a world of hurt? No, when he says, I shall not want... He means that you and I need look nowhere else for ultimate satisfaction in this life. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. He fulfills all that we truly need. Now I want to bring us back to a little curious little phrase right, the, right in um, the beginning of verse 2. He makes me lie down. 
you see, some of you might be mentally agreeing with mentally agreeing with me up to this point, saying, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That's good. That's good." But your lives don't look like that. My life maybe doesn't look like that. We don't look like we're trusting a shepherd, a good shepherd. So let me ask you, are you taking time to rest? Are you taking time to not be your own shepherd? To let him shepherd you? And when you take time to rest, how are you spending it? I mean, do you work, 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 and then come to a grinding halt only to binge on junk food in your Facebook news feed? Or do you keep the relationships of your life at the small talk level and miss some of the great joys of living deeply together with other people? Or living life side by side with somebody watching game after game after game or movie after movie after movie, but never checking the pulse of the person face to face? Now, I'm not saying you're necessarily walking in unrepentant sin if you have junk food or you check your Facebook news feed or that small talk is bad or that watching the game is bad. But where's your heart when these things are going on? Is it resting with Jesus in the green pasture? Beside the still water? As you walk in the path of righteousness? Or is it trying your own version of rest? where you try to shepherd yourself, a sheep shepherding themselves. Worship is rest. And rest, true rest, requires a shepherd, the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus. This sounds good, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound good? Green pastures, still waters. Frankly, one of the reasons that sounds so good is because life doesn't, just doesn't seem to line up with that. It's not this quiet nine-to-five job and then going home to kick, up, kick back your feet. It's more complicated. And we're people. And it seems when people get together, fallen sinners like you and me, we make things complicated. And, then, and to add all to that, then there's all the brokenness that our trying to complicate things from the beginning has produced. More brokenness. More complication. Our world doesn't exactly seem ready to embrace rest. Or make it easy to rest. It seems that instead all is unrest. Where's our good shepherd when it's all unrest? When you're up in the middle of the night for hours upon hours and the only things coming to your mind are just sinful thoughts after sinful thoughts. Where's the rest? That's where God, through David, leads us next. Let's read verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You know where rest is found? Rest is found in the midst of unrest. 
Can we rest when there's hardship in our lives? This psalm calls hardship the valley of the shadow of death or the valley or ravine of darkness. And for sheep being led through the wilderness, every shadow can hide danger. It can hide a hole to fall into or an unexpected drop-off that can kill a sheep. It might be a place where someone could get trapped, especially if there's inclement weather. Or the shadow hides a wolf or a wild predator just waiting for vulnerable prey to come by. The valley of the shadow of death or the presence of enemies. The Lord is our shepherd for we who trust in Jesus, but let's not pretend and let's not show the world that the life of the Christian is trouble-free. Jesus calls us to count the cost of following him. And in fact, he even says it might be more difficult for us who believe in him than it is for those who don't. At least for a while. But here David calls attention to that important fact that rest is found in the midst of unrest. Why? Why not just take us out? God, our shepherd, may not remove us from evil circumstances. Here it's written, I will fear no evil. You know, that doesn't mean that evil is not around. But is he, what, is, what and who is the sheep looking to? Is he looking to his circumstance? Is he looking to himself to lead him through? To comfort him. No, of course it's not himself. I mean, imagine the ridiculousness of that scene. You zoom out, you get an objective view of this of this story, and there's a lone little white sheep in the middle of this going down into this really dark valley. And you see a whole bunch of potential pitfalls over here where they could fall. And then over here, uh, over off to one side of the valley, there's a bog. And then if he gets stuck in there, it's, it's all over. And then you see around the rim of the valley, a pack of wolves that see the same sheep that you see. What do you think? Is the sheep shepherding himself going to do any good? I mean, only in the cartoons where God is taken out of the picture does this sheep serendipitously skip around those obstacles while its enemies fall into all those obstacles. But that's not how it works in real life. Evil is real. Brokenness is real. And the traps that ensnare, devastate, and destroy a person are legion. So who can protect? Who can lead us through even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, who can lead us through it, not just into it? Someone who is able to protect. Our shepherd, the Lord. Someone who's been through the valley before. Who was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. And who, as 1 Peter 2 says, also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. 
He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself, our shepherd, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you are straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. He protects us. He leads us through. We follow his steps that have gone before, where he's cleared the worst out of the way. And he doesn't just leave us alone. Look, he says, for you are with me. God just doesn't say from out here, he says, he doesn't just say, well, go here, go here, avoid that, and then go around this thing, and then hop over that, and then you'll be, and avoid that wolf there, and you'll be, then you'll get it, then you'll get through. He doesn't do it that way. He is Emmanuel, God with us. We fear no evil because God is with us. And he leads us through. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He uses those things, his authority, his word, to protect us. And just to note, that rod and that staff should be an additional comfort to us because Jesus is willing and able to protect and guide us, oftentimes from the worst enemy of all ourselves. If we easily go astray, and we do, if we are, as the hymn goes, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love, and we are, then Jesus will use the tools of the shepherd, the rod and the staff, to discipline us and to keep us on the path of righteousness following him. That's what one of the things is conviction of sin. That's what it is for. It is to bring you back to himself. The book of Hebrews quotes Proverbs when it says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. So if this valley for you is because of your own mess, and you're being disciplined by God, trust him. He is still loving you. But not only does he display his love to us by leading us through darkness, protecting us in the midst of evil, he does something almost unthinkable. He stoops to lavishly serve and provide us for us. In the presence of our enemies. Look at this, verse You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So let's acknowledge that when we are saved, not everybody's happy. When we grow in Christ's likeness, not everybody is going, yeah, yeah, be more like Jesus. Wish that were the case. See, there were people who saw Jesus himself heal the sick, 
raise the dead, preach hope to the hopeless, and encourage the discouraged. They saw this in Scripture records. They went out and conspired against him, how to destroy him. And the truth is, there are people today who are enslaved by the devil to do his will, who want what the devil wants. They want to see the body of Christ destroyed, divided, maimed, not able to function. In the presence of our enemies. So given that, this psalm should blow our minds. Because God, in the midst of unrest, seems to just calmly walk up, set up a feasting table in in front of us. And we sit down, and we don't serve ourselves. He serves us, refreshing us with abundance and joy in the midst of unrest. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. (laughs) God means for us to find rest in the midst of unrest. And he will serve us to make that so. The trouble may not go away, but we will find, if he serves us, the peace that surpasses all understanding and the contentment that comes from doing all things through Christ who strengthens us. And a taste of the truth that Jesus proclaimed when he said, Come to who? Come to me, Jesus said, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So the question is, will you humble yourself and come to him and allow him to protect you? Allow him to serve you? Lavishing you with his abundant grace in the midst of unrest? Worship is rest. Have you noticed something as we go through this psalm? God has been teaching us that worship is rest. Rest requires a shepherd. Rest is to be found in the midst of unrest. But did you notice that the sheep didn't merely stay in the green pastures, good though they were? And there's been a table set, but it's still in the presence of enemies. In this psalm, we've actually, at rest, we've actually been moving this whole time. Because the rest of God does not stay in the fallen world. It moves through it. We, if we are his sheep, move through it. Because for us to fully worship in rest, we're not to forever wander. We're meant to head home. Verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell, or I shall return to the house of the Lord forever. Rest has a destination. If the Lord is our shepherd, he will get us home. You know, for as good as the moments of respite are in this life, and there are many if we will trust him. We're not made to rest in the little moments only. 
the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Pitied. Why? Because as worshipers, we were made for more. And we should expect more from the Lord our shepherd. C.S. Lewis highlighted one of our major problems when he said in his essay, The Weight of Glory, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased, Lewis writes. So let us desire what our shepherd desires for us to lead us home. And a good shepherd will lead his sheep to their destination. He will lead them home. And we Christians cannot have our hearts set upon the grass or the water in the wilderness. We can't have our hearts set upon a successful business or a picturesque family or a polished reputation or a stable golden year's account. Let us have our hearts where our good shepherd is. Our home. Heaven. It's because he's gone ahead to prepare a place for us that we can face the troubles of this world, saying, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy are two qualities which are intrinsic to God's nature. We can rest in a good shepherd who has done the work to guarantee getting us home. How do we worship through rest? We submit to this truth, that he is our rest. We don't need to keep slaving away to be good enough, or right enough, or sorry enough, or holy enough. In him who is goodness and mercy, we have rest. We have salvation. We have a destination. Now, you might have heard it said, or something like it, life's a journey, not a destination, right? Or something like that. Wrong. It's incomplete. All of the journey in our lives means nothing if we don't get to the right destination. In fact, it is our destination as believers that helps make sense of all the madness that we go through in this life. It explains it better than anything else can. Our loving Heavenly Father, our Lord, our Shepherd, by His Holy Spirit, did not mean for us to simply get little, though wonderful tastes of rest in an unending dog-eat-dog world. He means to lead us home. Home. 
where you can sit down on your couch and take a breath. Home, where you can sit at the table, sharing stories, laughing and enjoying good food together. Home, where you can finally lay your head on the pillow. Home, where we get to see Jesus face to face. Home, where we get to see the place that he has taken these thousands of years to prepare for us. Home, where we never have to be away from the presence of God ever again. Home, where he wipes every tear that we have cried away. He takes away our pain. And he holds us close. And home, where we get to see Laugh with, rejoice, leap and dance and enjoy the feast to beat all feasts with as we look down an eternal family table, millions and Lord willing, billions of sons and daughters that the Son of God has brought home to be with his Father. That is rest. No more valleys of the shadow of death, no more enemies. When the songs go, sin and sorrow be no more. We're going to see the king. Goodness and mercy to the full. That is rest. So the command of Hebrews chapter 4 is as needed for us today as when it was written. About striving to enter his rest. It writes, Today, Today, the new mercies of today from Lamentations. Today, Hebrews 4 says, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Instead, because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the good shepherd to bring you to life, hear him and enter into his rest. Worship is rest. So as we come to the end of this psalm, where the rest requires a shepherd, and rest is found in the midst of unrest, and rest has a destination, I'll ask the question again. Are you ready to rest? Are you ready to worship? then we will, we will leave here with a reminder of how the Lord becomes our shepherd. It doesn't just magically happen. If this shepherd is required for us to have rest, how do we become his sheep? We have to jump over to John chapter 10 where Jesus explains that he is the good shepherd. And as a good shepherd, he takes care of his sheep. So you can turn there if you want, um, but I'll just at the very least read it. John chapter 10. Verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, 
and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. We become his sheep because he calls us. And we hear his voice, and we know it's his voice, and we believe him and trust him, and we follow him. Do you hear his voice today? Verse 5, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jumping to verse 7, truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Sounds like green pastures and still waters and a destination called home. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is how we become his sheep. He pays for us with his life. He demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. I'm going down to the end of the passage. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. We have a role in the rest of God. Did you know that? Our role is simply to proclaim that rest to others, to call others to enter his rest, to be part of his flock. You did not have him as a shepherd apart from somebody else listening to his voice and obeying that voice. You didn't get rest in the midst of unrest on your own. He did it for you. There's nothing in you that merits going to a home like he has for us. There's nothing that I have done that merits going to a home like that. His desire for you is that you walk with him and rest in him and show his rest to others who desperately need to hear that voice of the good shepherd. Will you rest in him and worship him in that rest? Let's pray. Father, we pray for your help to rest. Help us to rest. Help us to stop striving against your good designs for us and help us to rest. Help us to know that in you the work is finished. You have got, given us salvation. You've done all the work. Thank you that you're a good shepherd. I pray, Lord, that you would sanctify us. Help us each day to walk with you. Though we might stumble, your rod and your staff comfort us. Help us to look forward to being with you forever and ever. You come quickly, Lord Jesus.
We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.